Well, Father, we just celebrate the presence of God this morning. We thank you, Lord. We acknowledge your presence here with us. We celebrate your birthday, Lord Jesus. We celebrate your birthday. Today is your day. And everything about today that we're talking about, that we're speaking about, whom we're worshiping, whom we're praising, it's all about you. So we celebrate you, Lord. We say happy birthday, Jesus. We love you. We bless you. We give our lives and our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Have you ever been to a birthday party? Everybody's excited. Everybody's happy. Right? Everybody's dancing, shouting. Right? This is not a funeral, right? Praise the Lord. It's a celebration. It's the birthday of Jesus. Well, Merry Christmas. Hallelujah. Wasn't the kids marvelous? Well, that, uh, that one young gentleman, man, he's, he's got some cool moves, man. Praise the Lord. He knows how to dance. He knows how to dance unto the Lord. Yeah. But anyway, thank you for being here this morning. Um, you know, I love the Christmas season. How about you? You know, from Thanksgiving, you know, I'm kind of like already foreseeing, you know, the holidays and getting, the, you know, moving towards the holidays and how everything goes and everything that you got to do. And soon enough, you know, it, 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 sometimes it moves so fast. And from Thanksgiving, I kind of like put the brakes on everything, you know what I mean? Because I don't want Christmas Day to come. I want it to last, right? But praise God, it's here, you know, but it's here. But that's good. It's a good thing because we, we recognize that it's Jesus' birthday and uh, we get to celebrate him. Amen? But if you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of Luke. And we're going to be looking at uh, chapter 2 and reading through verses 1 through 7. Everybody smile. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And it says, at the time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census or a registration should be taken to the Roman Empire, this was the first census taken when Quirinius, the governor of Syria, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. Verse 4, and because Joseph, everybody say Joseph, was a descendant of King David. Did you know that Joseph was a descendant of King David? Also Mary was a descendant. 
to King David. So it's amazing how God tied in the bloodline, right, to the Messiah. He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there for the, from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Now, you know, sometimes we read that, and we go, no problem, you know, from Bethlehem to uh, Judea. They're living in Nazareth, Galilee. They got to go to Bethlehem. You know, we don't even think what the distance is, right? But if you look at your Bible map, if you have one, the distance from Galilee, Nazareth, to Bethlehem is 70 miles. Okay? 70 miles. Now, how many of you know they didn't have cars? Right? You didn't have cars. Nowadays, everybody, you know, everybody rides cars, right? Yeah. Or they have their own cars. So think about having no cars. 70 miles. That would have taken them four days journey. But you know, they had a donkey, right? They had a donkey. Still took them for four days. What's so important about the donkey? Well, it was a, a status. It was considered, you know, that they were well-to-do. It's like having a car. Right? We have a donkey. But it took them four days' journey. Just want to throw that out. Verse 5, he took with him Mary. Right? He took with him Mary, whom he was engaged who was now expecting a child. How many of you, ladies, wives, mothers, you're ready to give birth, and you're having to do this 70-mile journey, right? You must love your husband. I mean, you can't even take an airplane at that far of your Pregnancy, right? Now think about this. This census was mandated by the Roman Emperor. Emperor. Being that the Jewish people did not have to serve in the Roman army, this census or registration was taken so they could be taxed in order to support the military financially. So they needed to go. So there was no contemplating. There was no consideration. Considering, you know what, I'll think about it. I'll get back to you. No, they were forced to make this trip. They were going to Bethlehem for this one thing, was to pay their taxes, right? It happened then. It still happens now. The government dis demands pay taxes, right? All the while, they're going for one thing, all the while the plan of God is right on schedule being fulfilled, unbeknownst to them. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, a prophetic word, 
But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from, from me one who will be ruler over Israel. It's talking about Jesus. Whose origin from old, from ancient times. Yeah. So you can see God strategically moving them from Nazareth to Bethlehem so that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem in the fulfillment of scriptures. And while they were there, the time for her baby to be born, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, actually a feeding trough because there were no lodging, availability, no room, no space, no vacancy available. There was no room for them in the inn. So this morning I want to talk to you for not too long. Is there room in your inn? Is there room in your inn? Our Father, we honor and acknowledge your presence. We value and esteem your word. And on this Christmas Eve, we glorify and celebrate the birthday of your Son, Jesus the Christ, our Lord and Savior, the gift of heaven that was sent to us, all wrapped in humanity, wrapped in humility, wrapped in hope, and wrapped in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, is there room in your inn? You know, don't you find it interesting that the writer, Luke, who was a physician, he tells us that due to the inconvenience of the circumstances of the birth of Christ, that the Son of God was placed in a feeding trough, born in a stable, because, you ready? There was no room, no space for them in the inn. Maybe due to the influx of the people that were traveling in Bethlehem, because of the census, right? Could be. Maybe so. Maybe not. Right? But think about this. They traveled a great distance, right? I already told you how far they had to travel. They're tired. Mary's about to deliver her baby. Not just any baby. The Son of God. And the last and least ideal place you would think to take shelter, comfort, especially giving birth to your firstborn baby of all places in a stable amongst animals, farm animals. Now we had a farm. We raised animals, especially pigs. 
dogs, chickens, ducks, a whole bunch of them. And those pigs, they don't, they don't smell nice. They're smelly. Yeah. Right. I'm just trying to give you a visual. You know, I remember working part-time on a, on a weekend at the Maui Seaside Hotel as a front desk security. Front desk and security. And one of my uh, co-worker, night shift co-worker, who'd been there for many years, I, I, I saw on the, the back of the wall that he had received two honorary certificates from the hotel management. Because in two separate occasions, this guy helped two babies to be delivered on the job at the hotel parking lot with mommy, mommy in the car already in labor. And I says, wow, bro. Why are you still working here? <laughs> you should be up at the hospital. But yeah, I said, wow, that was amazing. He said, yeah, man. You know, the second one was easier. <laughs> I said, what you do? He said, the baby came out. I helped him come out. Put the baby on the mom's the mom, the mom stomach. Baby's breathing. Ambulance come take them to the hospital, right? See, they come from our country, right? They go into the hospital. And baby decides when he want to come or when she want to come, right? So the first place they see, right, is Maui Seaside Hotel. Boom. But church of all places, why in a stable? Why was his head laid in a manger? Like I said, that was an animal feed trough. Why no crib for a bed, no pillow for his head? Listen, why would God, the creator of all things, who spoke everything into existence through his words, he could have spoke and created a space, right, for his son. So why would God just send Jesus into this world of humbling beginnings, of lowly means and stature, in this kind of an environment? Why would God choose not to have his son not have a room or a space, right? Maybe at the Bethlehem Four Seasons or the Bethlehem Marriott. The Best Western or the Motel 6, right? Could it be, could it be, you know, just could it be if the owner of that inn knew that his inn could have played a big part in the story of the birth of Christ had he realized that this baby was the Messiah, the Son of God, do you think just maybe he would have made special accommodations and just found some way to take them in, right? 
I don't know, maybe even sacrifice and give up his room. His space. Right? If he knew. Or maybe he was too busy. Like a lot of us are. During the Christmas holidays, right? And only focus on the cha-ching. Making money. Because if you read towards later of this chapter, Luke, there's a man, Simeon, who was daily going through the temple, looking for the son of consolation, the hope of Israel. He was looking. He was there at the temple every day because his prayer was, God, before I close my eyes and I die, I want to see the son of consolation before I die. So he was aware. He was looking. He was hopeful because he knew the prophecy that there was going to be a son of God, a Messiah that was going to be born. So he was there every day looking. Where is he? And the Bible says he was moved with the Spirit. The Spirit was with him. Right? And then Mary and Joseph bring Jesus, as the law says, to bring their child and offer them dedicated to the Lord. And Anna was there too. The Bible says she was devout. She lived at the temple. She fasted day and night. Also, two different individuals looking for the Messiah. And when they brought him in, they already knew. This is him. They knew by the Spirit. Simeon grabs the baby, Jesus. Listen him up to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the son of cancellation. Now I can rest my eyes. I have seen him. I have touched him. So these were aware. These people were aware of him. But yet some were not. So let me throw this thought out. So maybe this is a story of a missed opportunity. Yeah, a missed opportunity. Where it caused Jesus to have no space or room at the end. When a moment of opportunity knocks on the door of your life, it is often no louder than the beating of your heart. And it can be easily missed. Amen. Think about this for a moment. This innkeeper. I'm guessing he has a family, right? They had the opportunity of a lifetime to have witnessed the birth of God in human flesh. Wrapped in humanity. We spoke about that last Sunday. Jesus came wrapped in humanity. Right? God came to us before we even thought that we needed him. He came to us in human form. Right? Aren't you glad he came? I'm glad he came. You know, they could have had front row seats. As the God of the universe broke into our realm of reality, the eternal into the present, 
the supernatural into the natural, born as a babe. They could have been more, they could have been the, the welcoming party. Right? The first ones to celebrate the birth of Christ. His end could have been holy writ. What do you mean holy writ? It could have been written in the Bible as the end that made room for Jesus. He and his end could have been famous. Come, book your reservations at the end that Jesus, the Son of God, was born in. But who knows the excuses she might have had. And we oftentimes, you know, we have them too. Missed an opportunity. Amen. He didn't see, right? You know, I remember, um, I think it was uh, a few years back, a couple of Christmases ago, my daughter and I were leaving Kihei to come on this side. We were still living in Kihei. And we were ready to come on this side, do some shopping, and uh, everybody goes to Costco, right? Christmas time, right? And I was getting ready, you know, I wasn't in a hurry, and they was getting ready. Uh, I might have shared this story, but uh, I get to share it again. But as we were ready to leave, the phone rang, and uh, she's talking, she's talking, and uh, she looks at me and says, uh, Dad, this is one of my um, co-workers on the phone, and he's, uh, he's crying. She was an assistant manager for a fast food restaurant in Kiev, and this individual worked, worked for her. She said, he's crying. I says, why? Um, He's asking if, uh, if you could go, go to the hospital and come pray for his mom. And I said, yeah, tell him we, 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 we will. Okay? She said, okay. So she hung up the phone. So um, I heard the voice of God here. There was an urgency. And the voice of the Lord said, go now. Go now. And I heard it, and then my mind went back to what I needed to do. I flipped. Went through all the things that I needed to do, and then I realized, oh, that. So we went up to the hospital, went to the front desk. They couldn't find that person's name. We went up to the ICU, asked the, the nurse there, and they gave us a name, and we went in, and my, my daughter says, no, Dad, this is not the mom. So we went back out again. We asked for the nurse again, and she looked again. She said, oh, if her name is not on the list, and she is a deceased. And when I heard that, 
It was like a knife went into my heart. Yeah? Because I said I would. I had a missed opportunity. Could have led that person to Christ. Could have done something. But I gave him my word I was going to go. But I heard the voice of the Lord say, go now. But I went later. Because I got too busy with what I had to do. And neglected what God wanted me to do. Everybody say, don't miss an opportunity. Yeah. Don't miss an opportunity. Like I said, who knows the excuses? You know, we all have excuses, right? And when we have excuses, you know, it, it only adds to missing opportunities that God has for us. Not only for God has for us, but in the natural world as, as well, right? You know, for some, hey, we didn't see you at the Christmas celebration. Hey, we had special meetings with Reverend Joel and Pastor, Nance, uh, Pastor Amy Siegel. We missed you. The Lord moved on Wednesday evening service. The same on our Saturday morning prayer time. Right? There's always an opportunity for all of us. Right? All the coulda, woulda, shoulda does not cut it. Because at the end of the day, like the innkeeper, and just like many, we miss opportunities. And like I said, I missed a lot of opportunities in the past, but I'm getting better. I'm narrowing them down dramatically and recognizing the ones that God shows me. Amen. How many of us honestly have oftentimes missed Jesus? A lack of time, a lack of space, a lack of room. Do we have room in the end? You know, I often wonder how many opportunities, you know, I think this about for myself, how many opportunities have I missed? Or maybe how many opportunities that you miss that we fail to experience, interact with, have conversations, have encounters with Jesus that are passed by, disregarded, neglected, right? Dismissed, like I did, or even stolen of a lack of space in our lives, having no room. For some, there's a no vacancy light flashing. Sorry, not me. I've got no room. I got no space available. Got too much here. Then you got the ones who make accommodations. They make room. They give space. Right? I hear it all the time here. What else, Pastor? You got it. When and what time? I'll be there. Let me ask you, is there room in your inn? 
What are we filling up our spaces or our rooms with? What are those things? What is crowding out Jesus from fully living his life in and through us? Turn to the person next to you and tell them, don't crowd out Jesus. That's right. Don't crowd out Jesus in our Christmases, in our get-togethers, in our celebrations, right? Enjoy the parties. Enjoy the gift-giving. Enjoy all that we do, the traditions that we have. But don't crowd him out because Christmas is all about him. And we get to enjoy Christmas with him. You know, if you look at the word Christmas, don't you see a word in there that is familiar? Christ, right? And as we've been taught, Christ is, right, the anointed one and his anointing. The word mas is mas, mass is the celebration of. So if you put the whole thing together, it's the celebration of the anointed one. That's what Christmas means. The celebration of the anointed one and his anointing. Yeah. It's not about the guy with the big white, white beard, although we have fun, right? It's not about the trees, but I enjoy Christmas trees. As long as we have the right perspective on what Christmas is, enjoy all that stuff. Because it's not going to sway you. You already know what Christmas is all about. You know, let me phrase that. You know who Christmas is all about. Yeah. It's about him. You see, when we value Jesus, when we value Jesus that there's no cost or price high enough that even can come close. You know, if Jesus can't be Lord of all, he won't be Lord of all. And the word Lord means supreme ruler. So what is crowding out Jesus? Why is there no room in your inn? Could it be your job? Could it be your career? Could it be making more money? You know, we... You know, this world system operates with money, right? Currency. But for we as believers, right? We don't serve money. Money serves us. Money is a tool that we use. Money is not our master. Okay? So if we keep those things in perspective, right? I remember I took a job years ago, many, many years ago, in the Wailea area. 
He was a, a first-class maintenance. I applied. The maintenance engineer saw me. He hired me on the spot. He said, Herman, can you come in next week Monday? I'll start you Monday. He gave me my shift. I looked at my shift. He had me working. My days off was Monday and Tuesday. So that tells me, okay, I can't come to church on Wednesday, and I can't come to church on Sunday. And I'm on the lower, on the lower post, right? Sonority. The pay was excellent. The starting pay was excellent. Full coverage, everything. Family plan, everything covered. Pay, they feed you over there. Uniforms, you shower there, you get everything. And when I looked at it, my days off, Monday and Tuesday, I can't be in church on Wednesday, and I can't be in church on Sunday. I worked one day, came, and seen, came in and met with the, my boss, the engineer, sat with him. I said, thank you for considering me, for hiring me. I appreciate it, but I cannot accept these schedules, so I'm going to have to resign. And I left. My relationship with Jesus was more important. There's nothing that I would not sacrifice, because I know he already sacrificed me. Giving up that was, was, was easy. It wasn't even a thought. Because I, if I took it, then my spiritual walk would have been deprived. I already knew it. Yeah? But you know what? Two weeks later, God opened another door right here, 10 minutes from my house, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday's off, full benefits, all the holidays paid, starting, starting when you started work, you automatically get 25 days holiday and vacation, and sick leave, I go, wow. Thank God I gave that up. Because you already knew I had, he had something else for me. We're talking about, do we have room in the inn? Are our hearts and lives so cluttered? You know, you drive around certain subdivisions. You know, most of the cars are all parked outside. But they have garages. But they lift up the garage. Oh, ch choke stuff inside. And all the cars parked outside. No more room for the cars. I look at that, I go, that's a lot of clutter. And I don't like clutter. Right? 
So listen, I want to challenge you all this morning, myself as well, to make room for Him. Do not miss the opportunities that has been given you to encounter Him. Make room for Him. Allow Him into your personal space. I remember I was down the Kahumana Mall. I was walking around. These two girls were arguing. And the one girl said, get out of my space. I go, whoa. You know, her space. You're too close to me. Well, let Jesus get into your personal space. Yeah. Let him get into your personal space. Because he's a personal God. Right? Because Christianity is not a religion. It's a personal relationship with Father God. Right? Jesus didn't just come down to heaven to take us back to heaven. Right? He came down from heaven to earth to bring heaven with him. But not just to take us back to heaven with him when we, you know, our lives are over, but to bring us into a right relationship with Father God. That was his purpose, to bring us into a right relationship with his Father. Because without Jesus, the Son of God, the sinless one, who had no sin, there wouldn't be no sacrifice. But thank God there was. And you know what? God the Father gave us the best. His own son. Paul tells us, if God be for us, who can be against us? But he goes on. He goes on. He says, for he who spared not his son, but gave him up for us all, right? How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? So if God gave us his only son, right? The greatest gift that he had, why worry about all the other things? He'll give it to you as well. Tell somebody, God's got your back. He's got your back. The Bible says the glory of the Lord is your regard. Yeah. He's got your back. So you don't have to always live your life looking behind. The life of a believer is always forward. Yeah. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We never look back. Yeah, we look back from where we came and where he brought us from. Right? That's all we do. It's just to look back and say, Wow, Lord, look where I was. But look where I am. But look where you want to take me to. Right? So Christianity is not a religion. It's a personal relationship with Father God that we can have through faith in His Son. So cast all your cares 
on Him. For He loves you and He cares for you. Clear your mind. Open your heart. Open your spirit. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Reading from the Passion. Jesus says this, Behold, I'm standing at the door. What is that door he's talking about? Your heart. Right? Knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice, and you open the door within. Now in Israel, old Israel, the doors didn't have a doorknob on the outside. The doorknob was on the inside. So if I came knocking on somebody, um, Rabbi Reuben's door, I couldn't go in. There's no doorknob. There's a doorknob inside. So he has to open the door from the inside. And this is what Jesus is talking about. Right? He's talking about this. I'm standing at the door of your heart. And I'm knocking. I've been knocking for some of you. Some of you I've been knocking for a while. And sometimes that knock, which was once very loud, is getting fainter and much fainter. Because we're, there's no room. If your heart is open to hear my voice, and you can open the door within, I will, notice, I will come in to you, and I will feast with you. And you will feast with me. Amen. So is there room in your inn? Or do we have to make accommodations and sacrifices and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Things have been cluttered up. I've been busy. I've lost focus. But uh, I'll make accommodations. I will. Praise the Lord.